Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Uh, okay, a few more. Um, Mets rule in 2K. Do you look back at the 2020 season fondly, or can you, like me, not get past how it ended? Atlanta series through the wild card round still hovers over me, uh, ho- hovers over my thoughts on the whole season. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Like, in, in discussions like this, and we talk about what they were last year and what they can be this year. I can be very matter of fact and talk about how successful they were in the regular season. You know, we could talk about that and I'm able to talk about that. But in terms of emotion, when thinking back on this season, uh, it was a colossal disappointment. You know, you spend all summer envisioning this team as a World Series contender, thinking about the possibilities of a, an NLCS against the Dodgers or the Braves a World Series against the Yankees or the Astros, to have it end quickly, to have it end meekly, to have it end, you know, sort of pathetically, is very tough to look past. And I don't think there'll ever be a moment uh, down the road where we look back fondly at the way this season concluded. And, And look, that's the way sports is more than it's ever been. You're defined by what you do in the playoffs. You know, you could have the most fun regular season in the world, if you're getting knocked out in the playoffs quick, it's tough to be that fond about the season. So, you know, for the sake of these discussions, when we talk about the team next year and building off of the accomplishments of 22, I, I feel like I can be, yeah, they won 101 games. Yeah, they had a good regular season. I, I can say that. I, I believe that. But in terms of, hey, Evan, was the 2022 season a good year? No, they got, they got embarrassed in a wild card series that never even felt like a real playoff series. So it's tough to look past that. It was not a fun season. And hopefully in 2023, A, they're back in the playoffs, which would be nice. And then B, they could actually go on a legitimate postseason run as opposed to, you know, a fart in the wind that's three games <laughs> in a wild card series. Oh, yeah, please get me further. Just get, get me close. Get me to the NLCS. That's a good start, right? Mm-hmm. Uh at mediocre underscore man, what was the worst Mets player jersey purchase that you regretted the most? Oh boy, I got a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> I I sort of feel bad saying it, but I'll say it anyway. The Mets have a team store at City Field in which they give you or they give you the opportunity to buy game used jerseys. And so I went in there at the end of a regular season years and years ago, 
And I had a chance to buy the jersey of a minor leaguer who I thought had a chance to become a star. I really like this kid. I was like, this guy has a chance to be a real good player on our team for the next decade. And so it was game worn, but I was going to wear it. Like it wasn't one of those game worn jerseys I was going to put up on a, you know, put up on the wall. And I was going to wear it. I was going to be like, this is my jersey. And so I bought a Josh Tolley jersey. And I really believe that Josh Tolley had a chance to be a good offensive player. In fact, I remember arguing with a buddy of mine who's a big Tiger fan, my friend Patrick. Patrick is a big Tiger guy. I'm a big Met guy. And Josh Tolley you know, wasn't hitting much. And Patrick's like, man, you bought that Josh Tolley jersey. You're a fool. And I said, let me tell you something, Patrick. Josh Tolley can totally be my Alex Avila. Because Alex Avila put together some decent years for the Tigers. And he's like, hey, it can't be Alex Avila. This guy can hit. And yeah, never put it together. He never hit. I mean, Josh Tolley's most famous for his ability to catch R.A. Dickey. That was his thing. And then obviously he was in the R.A. Dickey trade. So I'd say that one is up there. Uh, if I go back to earlier, if I go back to my younger days, I had a Bill Pulsifer jersey. I like Pulse. Never really worked out for him. But I think uh, mostly besides the Tolley and the Pulsifer decisions, I've always been very patient when going out and buying a jersey. I don't do it immediately. It takes me a while. Like even Lindor. Lindor has now been here for two seasons. You know, guys they add, they, they got to really prove it. They got to really, really prove it before I run out and buy their jersey. So I don't have that many regrettable decisions. I do have one Jet jersey that was regrettable, Vernon Golston. No, I'm just kidding. I got that as a joke. I saw a Vernon Golston jersey after he was a bust on sale for like $9.99, and I bought one and gave it to Joe. And he did not find the joke funny. <laughs> he didn't like that? <laughs> bro, what, why did you, what are you doing this for? You, you, you spent money on this, bro? Bro, bro, what are we doing here? Uh, so I guess that one really doesn't count because it was a joke. Uh, let's go to at Steven Prociato or something like that. What is one Mets memory that you have experienced that you will cherish forever? I've always thought about, like, what's my best Best, best Met memory. And I think when put on the spot, the Grand Slam single by Robin Ventura. I think that's the one because I was in the building. I remember a lot of moments from it. It was rainy at the time. I actually shut my scorebook in that inning. I actually shut it. It was the 15th inning or the 14th inning. Can't even remember the inning. I think it was the 14th inning. Um, The Mets are down a run. Because Octavio Dotel gave up that run. Keith Lockhart hit an RBI double. And remember, the Braves, they win the series. They're up three games to one. They get those last three outs. We're done. You know, we watched the Atlanta Braves celebrate a National League pennant. The Mets had won the night before to make it three games to one. They were down 3-0 in the series. And that entire bottom of the inning is so memorable in my mind. Like Everything about that inning jumps out at me. Sean Dunstan put together one of the greatest clutch at-bats you'll ever see in the rain, fouling pitch after pitch after pitch off against Kevin McGlinchey. Gets that single to right center field to start the rally. Uh, Todd Pratt drawing the bases loaded walk to tie the game. That was when I shut my book. Pratt draws the walk. It's pouring now. 
I have a towel that covers my scorebook. The towel is soaked. The towel can't take any more agua. It's over. But bases loaded, one out. We've tied the game. I shut the book, and I said to my dad, I'm going to remember what happens next. I guarantee it. Whatever it is. Now, I wasn't saying he was going to hit a home run. He could have freaking struck out. I was going to remember it. I knew what was going to happen. And it was 2-0. Two balls, no strikes. Bases loaded. Tie game. And Ventura hit that line drive. And I didn't think it was out. I just thought game's over, obviously. Because as soon as the ball goes to the outfield, it's at least a sacrifice fly. Right fielder's jogging in. So he's not even going to look at it. And it somehow, like, magically sneaks through the, the raindrops and over the right field fence. And the jubilation I had and everybody had in that ballpark, even if we didn't realize or think the Mets were going to win game six and seven in Atlanta, because I don't think any of us thought that, but the raw excitement of winning a marathon game like that, avoiding the Braves from celebrating at Chase Stadium, I'd say that's close to number one. And the other one that's close I shouldn't be embarrassed to say it, but like I get mocked for saying it is the Johan no-hitter. Is Johan Santana pitching the no-hitter, not the one-hitter, the no-hitter against the Cardinals in 2012? That was an out-of-nowhere moment. And sometimes the moments that just come out of nowhere uh, are the sweetest. So I think those two ones jump out at me a little bit, even though both didn't have happy endings. You know, in the moment, they were amazing. But when you think about what happened next, it's not that happy. The Mets lost that brutal classic game six a couple of days later. So they didn't win the series against the Braves. And Johan Santana and the Mets sucked in 2012. And Johan was basically out of baseball a few innings later. You know, made uh, his next start was against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Pitched a one, two, three inning. I thought, here's Johnny Vandermeer. And then he gets uh, starts throwing batting practice in the second inning, and Johan was never the same. So two amazing moments that if you think about, well, what happened next, Dad? Well, what happened next is crap. That's what happened next. It's not like they went on to something special. It was awful. Um, how, many more, how many more do you want to do? You want to do one or two more? Give me two more. Feeling All good. Right. Two more. All right. Listen, if you, we keep up going with the flow if you want. Uh, this is a non-baseball question, but relates to the Mets. What do you guys think uh, at our, at WREC Cup? What do you guys think of the new scoreboard City is getting? I'm not into it. That's what this guy says. Oh, he's not into it. He's not into it. I think it's awesome. I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I saw the artist rendition of it uh, a couple of months ago, and my first reaction was, wow, that's a freaking big scoreboard. I mean, my God, I think the fairest answer, I know it's a boring answer, but the fairest answer is I got to see what it looks like. I got to sit down in my seat at City Field. I got to look up at the outfield and I think immediately I'll know, hey, this is great. This is so cool. Or this is too much because sometimes it could be too much. Sometimes there are scoreboards or things that are too shiny, too bright, too big where you say, yeah, in theory it would be cool, but. I don't know. It's too much. I'm excited to see it. A part of me doesn't want to see updates of it being built. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a picture the other day of it, it's not built yet, but they're starting to kind of set it up. And I didn't want to see it. I want to walk in on opening day and then just see it. And I know that's impossible because with Twitter, assuming Twitter exists, 
uh, you're just naturally going to see it. You're going to see updates. You're going to see pictures. I would love to walk in on opening day 2023 and just see it. But I'm excited. I, I think what's really important with these scoreboards, in my opinion, is how you use it. What information are you putting up there? How much of that scoreboard is being used for advertisements? How much of it is being used to give us information? Uh, when I've gone to visiting ballparks, it's fascinating to see what stats they're going to give you. There are some stadiums in baseball now that give you new age stats that I don't even know what they are. Like, What the hell is that? And then there are some ballparks where you're like, yeah, I like that information. That's some pretty good information. So I think that's also really, really important, not just how big it is or how shiny it is, but what are you telling me? Like, I'll give you an inside the weeds city field critique. For those that went to a bunch of games this year, I think you'll appreciate this. They have a scoreboard above left field, above the the top of left field with the out-of-town scoreboard. And in years past, every single game would be on the board. It would be small, no doubt about it. You'd have to squint your eyes a little bit. But every game at the time would be up there. This year, I guess they figured, ah, it was too small. We want to make it bigger for people to see. Totally respect that. But in making it bigger, every game can't be on the board at the same time. So they would flash games. I hated it. Like, in theory, it's great because you can see it better. But every time I'd want to look up and see the Yankee score, the Brave score, which would be in the same spot, you either wouldn't see it or it'd be moving because they would go through each game. And so I hated that. I thought that they made a huge mistake doing that. It's one thing I really miss from the old Chase Stadium. They had that scoreboard in the outfield in which the out-of-town scoreboard was just there. And quite frankly, give me the score and give me the inning. That's more important than telling me how many guys are on base. Like, as much as I'd want to know how many guys are on base, I'd rather have no information but the score and inning, but it's sitting there in the same spot all game long. Because then you can't find it. And I know it's a different era. You could always just use your phone. I understand. We live in a world in which you don't even need the scoreboard. But it was always fun to just glance up and in a split second see, oh, okay, Yankees are tied with the Red Sox. Or, oh, the Braves, they're losing to the Nationals. And so I thought City Field took a little bit of a step back this past year. And maybe with that new scoreboard, they changed that. I have no idea. But... It's weird that in City Field, which is such a beautiful stadium, I really don't have many issues with City. I think the scoreboard at City Field overall is not as informative as the one from Shea Stadium because they had the lineups there all the time. Now it flashes on and off. They always had the lineups. Now it was with the number and the position. But if you knew the number of each player, you had the lineup there the entire time. So I really miss that from the old Shea Stadium. Well, that's actually a great question that uh, um, at pegged by Mr. Met or by at pegged by Mrs. Met. Do you miss oh. Shea Stadium? Do you prefer City? What's your favorite non-New York stadium? Oh, it's a good one. Um, I miss Shea Stadium from an emotional standpoint. I miss that. I couldn't take my wife to Shea Stadium. I miss that I couldn't take my two boys to Shea Stadium. Um, the seat that I grew up in that my dad had as a season ticket. I thought was so unique, not not the Shea Stadium. I think a lot of people probably sat there at one point, but unique to other stadiums in which you were so close to the action and like you were on top of things. 
on that loge level. If you remember going to Shea Stadium in the loge level, the Shea Stadium behind home plate, like you were much closer than you are now if you're in the 300 level, where which is where I sit and is the most equivalent to the loge level. And it's a great seat. Trust me, I love my seat. But Shea Stadium was just, you were closer. It was certainly more dangerous, though, because foul balls would come at you 100 miles an hour, and uh, it would be a little frightening. So I miss that, and I wish I had the opportunity to take my kids there, just like my dad probably wishes he had an opportunity to take me to the polo grounds. But it's City Field from a food standpoint, from a, hey, there's a rain delay, where do we go standpoint, it's just a lot better. It is. Ask yourself this, because I, I have the answer, and it sucked. What did you do when there was a rain delay at Shea Stadium? Where'd you go? Where'd you go? And I can tell you right now, I'll tell you exactly where I went. I went in the concourse where there was tons of people standing, and there was nowhere to like do anything. Or we would go back under the cover on the loge level and just sit there and wait. Nowadays, you got the Piazza Club, you got this club, you got that club, you could walk this way, you could go over the Shea Bridge, your kid could take freaking batting practice, you could eat food from any country you've ever thought of. It's it's better for rain delays. Just think about that. If you're like me where it's, hey, I'm just there for the game, great, I'm just there for the game. Even though I have kids now, so I'm not just there for the game. But what about a rain delay? Hey, what? Where the hell did you go? You tried to go to Casey's? Remember Casey's behind uh, in the loads section at Shea Stadium? You couldn't even go into Casey's. It'd be packed. Couldn't even move. So I always think back, and it's been a long time now, to rain delays at Shea Stadium. And that's when I'm like, oh, man, City feels a lot better. So, yeah, it's just it's more modern. I miss Shea Stadium from an emotional standpoint, but City feels a better ballpark. As far as my favorite non, I mean, I can rank City Field. I'll tell you exactly where it ranks. My favorite stadium is PNC Park in Pittsburgh. It's just gorgeous. I I can't get past how just beautiful it is. How no matter where you're sitting, you got the skyline of their city. You got the beautiful gold bridges, the Roberto Clemente bridges, whatever the heck they're called. I think it's just such a gorgeous stadium that that's my number one. I have not been to San Francisco That's one stadium I definitely want to go to. That could certainly knock Pittsburgh off the top of the list. And the worst stadium, I know we didn't ask, but I'm going to tell them anyway. The Oakland Alameda Stick in the Toilet Bowl Coliseum. That place is a dump. And what I can't get past with that stadium, because I went to a Mets A's game in 2014, was I had to pee, naturally. Got to go to the bathroom. They got troughs there. There is nothing more disgusting than a trough. Could you imagine standing around with other men? There's no barricade. There's nothing. There's no barricade. You're like an animal. You just pull your pants down. Everybody's staring at each other's everything. It's disgusting. And you just pee. Oh, the smell is awful. It's just, it's really one of the worst inventions mankind's ever had. It's almost like when they invented it, they wanted to check out each other's joke. <laughs> I, I don't know why they did it. <laughs> I don't know why they did it. I went to do it because I had to pee. What are you going to do, Hoff? You got to pee. And I'm telling you, halfway through, I was like, I'm just pulling my pants up and going into a stall. Like, what are we doing here? Just disgusting. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm not interested in that. But but the, I guess it beats out. Uh, it's not as bad as pee. Like we pee in a cone at City Field. No, like it's a white cone. We pee in a yeah, but there's a barricade. I don't have to look at yours while I'm There's no there's no barricade. Yes, they don't have like barricade. They don't have separations. No, 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 no. They have the like a, a little mini wall so that in your peripheral vision you're not going to see mine and I'm not going to see yours because I don't want to. No offense, I just I just want to pee and go home. I just want to pee and go back to my seat. That's all I want to do. Uh, listen, we're, since we're on the off the cuff stuff, uh, from at the half, WFN has a question for you. Yes, rate this from one to ten as Drupal Cabrera's clothesline. <laughs> I saw that the other day. <laughs> I, what I can't get past about the is Drupal Cabrera clothesline after a guy hit a home run and then pimped it a little bit is I've seen worse pimps than that. Like, I've seen more bat flip action than what annoyed Asdrubal. So there has to be more to that story on why Asdrubal Cabrera clotheslined the other player. <laughs> because, yeah, the guy stood there and watched, and yeah, he flipped his bat. But I think Asdrubal Cabrera's bat flip against the Phillies back in 2016 was worse than that one. So I appreciate the action of his Drupal taking uh, business into his own hands by clotheslining his opponent, but I didn't think that it warranted it. I mean, I've seen, I've seen worse. That's all I'll say. I've seen far worse. But thank you for everybody to contributing to the first ever Rico Bronya mailbag. We'll whip it out every once in a while, get a little interactive with the audience. It's always good to hear back from you. Uh, so we very much appreciate it. Hopefully, there'll be some big signings over the next couple of days and next couple of weeks as we head into the holiday season. We do have a couple of fun Rico Bronya planned, including the best and worst free agent signings in Met history, uh, some of the best and worst offseason trades in Met history, and going through some of the biggest villains in Met history. So there'll be a lot of Met history talk, but obviously we'll also mix in the latest and greatest breaking news and rumors and strong opinions. We appreciate you listening. You check out Pete with Tiki and Tyranny at 10 a.m. on the fan. Obviously, me and Craig, 2 o'clock on the fan. And remember, twice a week and whenever there's breaking news, we'll be here for you all off-season long with the latest Met Talk on Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.